0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk Hello Church, I'll be reading Romans chapter 12. Um, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good
1: wasn't, wasn't that beautifully read I love hearing God's word read by different people it's uh, it's a real joy and uh, what a joy to be here this morning. What a joy to feel in the Christmas spirit. Great to have those Christmas songs. Wasn't Matt and the band good on them? I love I love those little guitar bits. If you if you want to hear a bit more of Matt Isaac, little big things, are show in uh, town up at Topham Court Road. Absolutely superb. I mean, music, and you won't see him. He's under the stage, but that's all right. You can still hear the music, and it's beautiful. Um, I don't know, let's have a little bit of crowd participation, well, you all look a little bit sleepy and we're going to be singing carols in less than half an hour, so Christmas movies, uh, what's your favourite one for your Christmas movies, I'm um, going to have some hands in the air, who likes Home Alone, one, two or three, yeah, that's a cr- good Christmas movie isn't it, everyone, uh, who likes uh, Miracle on 34th Street, is that one of your favourites, some of you, no not quite, how about The Grinch? Yeah, yeah, right people putting their hands in the air for that one. Uh, the Holiday, any rom-com people here? Oh, yeah, actually, it's mostly blokes putting their hands in there. air for that. I thought it was going to be... Okay, um, Santa Claus the movie? Not many of you on that one. Polar Express? No. Okay. The all-time favourite for me and the best movie to watch any version of is Ebenezer Scrooge in... Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. How many of you like that one? You've all got to put your hands in the air now. because. And if you don't know the story, I'm aware that uh, the story actually, that Charles Dickens said it, said it just over past St. Paul's, the area where he was uh, depicting Ebenezer Scrooge, a miser, a misery, and at Christmas, hated Christmas, bar humbug. And uh, he consequently is visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, ghost of Christmas present, and the one to come. And it, through those visitations, Ebenezer Scrooge has a transformation, a, 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 like a conversion experience where the author says, "If at the end of it, if anyone knew how to enjoy Christmas, it was Ebenezer Scrooge. But I love the ending of the story because he doesn't look after very well his, his clerk, Bob Cratchit. And it's, the story begins with Bob Cratchit sort of like trying to tend a tiny little ember of a flame in a, in a hearth. And it ends when, when uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is this new man and Bob Cratchit comes late and he, and he tells Bob Cratchit he's going to look after Tiny Tim, he's going to give him a salary rise and he says, put another coal on the fire, Bob Cratchit, before you cross another T or dot another I. And that's uh, a wonderful way to finish a story. And uh, we are going to look about adding another coal to a fire in the text we read this morning. And uh, it's really a very good text to finish our series in, in Romans chapter 12 because we've been explaining over these last few months the life of the Christian is a life of transformation. For many, many Christians... Christianity is about keeping rules and and, and being tight laced and being paper folded by our customs, by our denominations, by our traditions, rather than uh, men and women of the Holy Spirit that come to the Bible and realize the Bible can only be outworked and only lived in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And that's the life of the butterfly. That's the life of transformation. So this morning's message is put another coal on the fire. uh, And it's. uh, and it finish, we're finishing it today. And it's a wonderful way to finish it in terms of the text because it talks about if your enemy in a in a, in a very short while we're we're all, I'm hoping and please join me on this. Whether you go out on the estate or whether you stay here, please all stay. Have a have a hot dog and stay. Because as we we're gonna take the church out of the building onto the streets, and I, I love doing that. And uh, we're aware as people walk by, we're going to have people who love us, we're going to have people ambivalent towards us, and we're going to have people who hate us. And how do we act towards those who really see us as an annoyance, as a pain, as an enemy? Um, it's really important that our attitude is right. And this is a, a great text to be thinking of as we go out. It says, if your enemy is, thir- is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning holes on his head. So there are two very, very important instructions that Paul's giving. We're going to fly through these because I want us to get out on the street. But the first one is this, we must give room for God to act. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave Room, we'll come back to what though that actually means, but I want to talk about somebody who saw an incredible revival, who went to a city and saw a whole city turn around, and how his attitude was obnoxious and stunk before God. This is why we need the transformed life. This guy was given a mission. People parallel it like a a Jew being sent to Berlin to speak to Adolf Hitler. He was given a message by God to go to Nineveh, uh, to a massive city, 120,000 people, and a very simple message, to preach this message. In 40 more days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And our hero, or the person who wrote this book, he is somebody who is a racist, He is someone who hates this other nation. As far as he's concerned, he wanted Armageddon. He wanted fire to fall from heaven. He hated his enemies. And he wanted their destruction. That was his big hope. As he went out amongst his enemies, God, all this evil. This was a horrendous nation. I I won't even tell you the things they got up to, but it was just so wicked. And Jonah went there wanting evil to prevail. He wanted them to be wiped off the face of the earth. But he is given this message or shown this message about the God that he was actually serving. Because God didn't overcome the evil of Nineveh by evil, but he overcame the evil of Nineveh by good. And as that message of peace was preached in Nineveh, the whole city turned to God and received God's forgiveness and mercy. And so this verse where it says, do not take revenge, is a really important verse to get hold of for all of us. Because we live in a world which is divided we live in a world which is racist. We live in a world where there is conflict and war and we're called to take sides and we're often tempted to take revenge. They, they hurt me. I'm going to get them back. They killed 10 people. We're going to kill 100. He abused me. I'm going to abuse them. I'm going to, I'm going to attack them. Much worse than they did to me. And God says, no, 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 no. The life that God has won for us through the cross is do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room. What is this expression, leave room? Quite literally, it means clear the decks. Wipe the slate clean. Step away. Warning, step away from taking your own vengeance. Leave it to God Because he will always act on our behalf. He will always act on our behalf. So if you are this morning hurt, rejected, wounded, abused, decried, defamed, step away from taking vengeance. Clear the decks, clear it in your mind, the courtroom in your head that makes that judgment. They are guilty, they deserve. Wipe that away wipe it clean, and hand it to God, because God is working for our good. God is working for his justice, and everything will be atoned for, everything will be answered, maybe not in the way in which we think, or in the time scale in which we think. You see, when we refuse to do this, if you refuse to forgive, if you refu- if take matters into your own hands, you are basically saying to God that God's judgment needs adding to God's final judgment is not enough. You need to add something to it. You see how preposterous that is? The judge of all the earth will do right. Every single sin will be met and answered. Every evil act will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Nothing is got away with. And also we're denying the very opportunity and the importance of a saviour to act in the midst of great wickedness to save and to rescue. That's why we need to be careful, dear friends. Bad things happen to all of us. But what we do with those bad things matters to God. And handing them to God... And allowing our slate to be clear, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands, but I'm handing it to God. Will bear eternal reward. Let me finish. Let me uh, just illustrate with this story. Did have you told? Did you tell this story? Okay. Little history lesson, in case you're. 1842, Samuel Martin, first pastor of Westminster Chapel. A guy came along, that guy came along, Robert Germain Thomas. He came along for four years. He was at a Bible college and would come along here for four years. And uh, this was his home. He went back to plant a church near Abergavenny. And uh, as he was leading that church there, he felt God speak to him about being a missionary to China. That was the big, big mission call back in middle of the 1840s, 1850s. And so he went to China and he served with a mission society there. And as he was doing that, he felt God call him to an an enemy state, Korea, to go and preach the gospel in Korea. And so he got on a boat, he went across to Korea, he got off along the coast, he went up and down and he had translated bits of the Bible, New Testament, which he was handing out and preached. He went along the coast, preaching the gospel. He went back to China for many years, and then a few years later got the opportunity to go back. But he was an enemy of the state. And this time when he arrived, he met a hostile group who took him on the beach and said, we're going to take your life, we're going to behead you. And so he said to his executioner, please take... take Take, take these scriptures before you kill me. Please take these scriptures and read these scriptures. He was beheaded on the beaches of North Korea. A generation later, another missionary goes to that same place and starts to preach the gospel. And he's met by the executioner's son, who takes him to home. And in his home, the wallpaper of that house was the Bible. And a church had been birthed. The first Christians in that area of, of, of North Korea. Fast forward to today, just a few weeks ago, a lady who's escaped from North Korea goes to this chapel near Abergavenny and sees the picture of Westminster Chapel which hangs there and the picture of this guy, and she falls on her knees and weeps, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, we never know. What a waste of a life. A young man cut down in his prime. What a waste. And yet in eternity, God's judgments come true, and we see many, many people reached with the glorious gospel through that one life, that one act of obedience. And we wonderfully are connected in that story as part of Westminster Chapel. Secondly, overcome, and this is the text I want you to go out with today. Do not be overcome by evil, verse uh, 21, but overcome evil with good. God so loved the world. God so loves this world that he gave and he didn't give Mars bars. He didn't give blessings and and spiritual happiness and happy pills that we all walk around with a smile on our face in a world of misery. God so loved the world he gave his son. He gave his one and only son, the beloved of heaven, the most glorious one. He gave and he became a babe. And it wasn't to make us feel good, it was where love and justice meet was in the person of Jesus Christ. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth as Mary held this little baby. And we've just had a new grandchild a week ago. And you hold a baby and you look at a baby and you, you wonder and you, you move to emotions when you hold a baby. But Mary would have looked and she knew that he was born to die. His reason for his birth was he had to die. He'd come to rescue. He was the savior of the world. He will save his people from their sins. You'll name him Jesus. And Jesus came and he surrounded. I mean, the religious people who were looking for the Messiah, looking for the savior. The religious people persecuted him. They hounded him. They mocked him. Eventually they took him along with the nation, and crucified him. And around his cross, the enemies gathered and mocked. But from the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And in his death, brothers and sisters, and in his mighty resurrection, evil was overcome by the greatest good this world has ever seen. Forgiveness was granted to his enemies. Those that crucified, those that took him before Rome, those people a few weeks later, as they hear the good news being preached by Peter, they're the people that turn repentance and become Christians. The way God overcomes evil with good is he makes us his friends. And I want to say this to you all, how do you overcome the greatest evil in your life, the greatest persecutor in your life, the person who you think of as I'm speaking this morning, say, that person's really got it in for you. I really find it hard to forgive that person. You make them your friend through the gospel, through Jesus. These instructions are not just agreeing to wipe the slate clean. These instructions are about burning coals on their heads. This expression is an interesting expression because burning coals in history were used to destroy your enemy. You'd catapult burning coals into a city or from boat to boat to see those boats or those cities destroyed by fire that the coals would bring. But burning coals, when it comes to Scripture, has a very different understanding. If you remember Isaiah, a burning coal was taken from God's holy brazier and put on his lips and he was given a message to preach. In the ancient days, in the ancient understanding, burning coals were put upon the head of a person who had been overcome and surrendered and had changed their mind and would walk before the people that he once hated or wanted to destroy with this symbol on his head of burning coal, saying he had had a change of mind. What was once an enemy is now his friend. And Paul is writing in this whole understanding, saying, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Overcome evil with your good acts. And in doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head." Very practical. As we finish this, you see, we do not live in a life as a believer as tit for tat. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. We live in a completely different economy. You hurt me, I'm going to do you some good. Those people. If you love those who love you, what? How are you different from the pagans? Jesus said. But to love those who are not like us, who attack us, who marginalize us, who don't want anything to do with us, we're to show them this love. I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Even tax collectors are doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even, pagans, do that. Therefore, be perfect, which is whole, a complete Christian. Not perfection that we've got to somehow pretend that we're going to be like Jesus perfectly. It means wholeness. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is the one who is perfect. So here's some very practical help for all of you. Christmas is just around the corner. Food is mentioned. Drink is mentioned. Hospitality is key. This is a time of year, brothers and sisters, where our home, whether it's a tiny little flat or whether it's a nice big home, the door should be open to invite people in for drink. Not the people who like you, who are going to give you an invite back, those who can't get an invite back. If you walk these streets, As I have done yesterday, they are filled, filled with people in sleeping bags in the middle of the day, frozen, cold, in need of just some kindness, some hot soup, a bread roll. Just stop and talk to them. Go and buy them a sandwich. Go and buy them something hot. We... uh, In Bournemouth, we started a Christmas tradition, Heather and I, many, many years back and just opened up our home and invited in the neighbours, people who actually said they don't want anything to do with the church, anything to do with the gospel. Just come on in. Let's share some food. Over the years, I think virtually virtually all of our neighbours, probably 20 or so, have come along to church. Some of them have become Christians hospitality, I mean, it's just a beautiful neighborhood now where hospitality is offered by a number of the believers around that. And it all began with just a small step of opening a home and sharing a bottle of whatever. Now today, we have an opportunity, brothers and sisters, to go out into the estate or on these walls and we're going to declare how good our God is. Over our city, we're going to sing these carols declaring that Jesus came to rescue and to save. I know when you get an encouragement from elders about this, you all fear that you might get dropped on to do something or say something. You've been given a track, hand out the tracks, and you're sort of handing out tracks as if, as if you're handing them out with Novichok on them. You're like, trying to give, you haven't got to do any of that. There are people who will want to do that and let them get on with it and praise God. They love doing it. The rest of us, I'm encouraging you with very, very practical things. Firstly, sing. I hope this isn't too practical for you. Sing. We're singing carols. Don't mumble. Sing your heart out. Secondly, smile. Smile because we are the people of God. We've got a message to proclaim. And then thirdly look for ways of being kind if it's someone who asks you a question hey what's going on here just chat to them kindly if there's there's there's, i know there's things to hand out on the estate hand them out just bless bless everybody you come to touch today and don't just think of this message as something just for this moment but think of this message as something for life because the gospel brings transformation the gospel has made what we were, which was enemies, now friends with God. We are the children of God. And the way in which we are to interact with the world is not to treat the world as the world treats us, but to love those who don't like us, to do good to them, to feed them, to give them something to drink, and to put burning coals on their heads, reminding them that actually we're doing this because we have been rescued, we have been saved, we were the enemies and are now friends with God. So we have a great opportunity, and I'm gonna pray for all of you that you don't scuttle off home, but that you stay. We're not gonna be here for hours, by the way, in case you're worried about, oh, how long are we gonna be here? We're not gonna be here for hours, but we are gonna go through a lovely load of hymns together and sing loudly and bless people. So I'm gonna pray for you that you're gonna have the most blessed Christmas imaginable because you're going to put this take these verses and put them into practice amen why don't you stand and then let me pray for you and he's going to come up with some practical stuff lord jesus we love this time of year we love declaring the praises of god through these hymns we are coming all ye faithful. We're coming joyful and triumphant. We're going to come and sing choirs of angels. We're going to sing and make a loud noise on the streets of Westminster declaring our God reigns. That our God left the glory of heaven, became a babe, lived amongst us, died upon a cross, was raised again and now offers eternal life, new life, a repentance and brand new way of living to all his enemies. That there is truth in the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit today as a church. we Fill us with the joy of the Lord as our strength. And for those out on the estate, Lord, bless them. May they have great conversations for us on these steps. Lord, may we sing loudly, declare loudly, smile widely and sing and bless everybody who stops and chats to us. Come upon our church, Lord. Make this a glorious Christmas for every family, every home, every one of us who puts this word into, into practice. I pray you would bless and give them fruit in Jesus' name.